And thank you all for being here today. Again, we do appreciate that. It's summertime. There's a lot of other things you could have done with your Sunday morning, but you made a choice to be here, and we greatly appreciate that. Um, I talked earlier about this thing that we're doing in the fall, and I sense some genuine excitement from within the congregation. We're excited to spend this time getting to know Jesus better. We're excited to move into this time where we're having the opportunity to grow in our relationship with Jesus. We're excited for the opportunity we're about to have to invite more and more people to come out to Hope to meet Jesus, right? You're not just inviting somebody to church. You're inviting them with the opportunity to meet your Lord and Savior. We're very excited about that. And so over the summer, we've devoted a whole lot of time to working on making ourselves more attractive, to draw people into our lives, to draw people into our church so we can draw people into the message and mission and the teachings of Jesus Christ, to draw people to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we've been working on. You know, I received an email uh, Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, that really gave me a lot of encouragement uh, for where we are in our church and what we're about to do. And in this email, a member of our church ex expressed appreciation for uh, the topic that we're focused on, these ideas of making ourselves more attractive so that people can get to know Jesus. But this person, uh, this member of our church, also shared their story about how they were attracted to the gospel through you, <laughs> through the congregation, through the people of Hope Community Church. And so as I'm reading this, this long testimony, I'm tearing up, and I'm just so appreciative of these words that were spoken, but it made me realize something that I need to convey to you, the people of Hope Community Church. Here's what I want to tell you. You are attractive, okay? <laughs> now, every Sunday, <laughs> right? <laughs> Every Sunday, I've been making my little jokey jokes, right? I've been saying, hey, we're a good-looking group. We already got that end covered. I'm making my little jokey jokes because that's what I do. But here's what I want to tell you. Spiritually, you collectively are already an attractive bunch. And over the course, I look at our years together as a church, and over the course of these years, you have drawn people into your lives, and you have drawn people into the gospel. You are doing this. And the reason I'm highlighting this this morning is we're doing this series about making ourselves more attractive, and I don't want you to think that you're not, right? You are. Last month, Holly and I had the opportunity to see Jerry Seinfeld. You know Jerry Seinfeld? Saw him. I mean, we saw him like do a show. We didn't just like run into him somewhere. So we saw him do a show. So he does his show, and then he comes back out for the encore. And the first thing he says was, listen, you guys have been a great audience. If you go home tonight and you're wondering, have we been a great audience? The answer is yes, you've been a great audience, right? And so I'm trying to bring that, some of that Seinfeld energy to you today and say, yes, you are already a great church, okay? You're doing it. You are drawing people into the message of Jesus. You are drawing people to the gospel. Let's keep doing this. One of the things that Holly reminds me of, because Holly's the athlete, I'm not, she's the athlete, she's a swimmer, but she reminds me of the fact that even athletic athletes, even the very best, still have a coach. They're still trying to get better. And so that's the point of this whole series throughout the summer is let's build on what we already have and let's keep growing better. Let's not coast, let's not rest on our laurels, whatever a laurel is, let's keep working on transforming and becoming who we're supposed to be in Jesus Christ. If you noticed in advance, today we're talking about this issue of hypocrisy and how that can drive people away from Christians, it can drive people away from the church. This is a big one, hypocrisy. It's in the top three reasons why people are repelled from church. Self-righteousness. Oh, these Christians are so self-righteous, and that's an accusation that gets thrust upon us. We're so self-righteous, and then people leave us and leave the church, and we're judgmental. 
That's another accusation that we get. Christians are so judgmental. We'll talk about that next week. And then the other one here is hypocrisy. You know, these Christian people, they're supposed to be about forgiveness, but I see a lack of forgiveness in these Christians. These people are supposed to be about my love, but I don't feel love coming from the hypocrisy. You're saying one thing, but you're doing something else. You're saying something supposed to be important to you, supposed to be valuable to you, but I don't see you living that out. I see an inconsistency, and that inconsistency is just enough to drive us away from the church, away from Jesus. A lot of you in this room, you know some of my story, a part of my story. I grew up in a church setting. I grew up going to church as a kid, and when I was 18 years old, I decided that I was done with church. Now, a lot of people go through something similar. Here's how it worked in my case. I was done with church, but I wasn't done with Jesus. I held on to Jesus. I held on to my belief in the gospel. I held on to my salvation. I was just done being around church people, and I was done showing up at a place on Sunday morning. I was just done with church. And a lot of people who grew up in church have something similar that happens in their lives. They reach a certain point where they say, I'm done. And some people never come back. And some people, it takes them years and eventually they come back. In my case, I came back pretty quick. It was less than a two-year period, but there was that period of time where I said, I am done with church. I'm not done with Jesus, but I'm done with church. And if you would have asked 18-year-old Josh Schaefer, why? Why are you done with church? I would tell you, hypocrisy. It's the hypocrisy that I've seen. Because here's what happens when you grow up in a Christian setting. Here's what happens when you spend a lot of time with Christian people. You see inconsistencies in their lives. Wait a minute, I thought Christians weren't supposed to get angry. You know, a person's anger does not bring about the righteousness of God. Well, then why am I seeing you angry right here, Christian person? And when you're a kid, you look up to the adults and you see that inconsistency and it feels like, wait a minute, something's wrong here. This is hypocrisy. You know, Christian people, we're supposed to be about forgiveness, and, and somebody's hurt you, and so you believe in the value of forgiveness, but I don't see you forgiving this person who hurt you. That's inconsistent. That's hypocrisy, right? Christian people, let no unwholesome words come out of your mouth. I just heard what came out of your mouth. Did it sound too wholesome? Inconsistent, the hypocrisy, right? And so I had these experiences growing up in church life when, when you're a kid trying to process all this and you look to these adults and you see this inconsistency and you interpret it as hypocrisy and you say, I've got every reason now to walk away from church life. And so again, you ask me at 18 years old, why have you left the church? I tell you, hypocrisy. Let me tell you the other end of the story. I left the church when I was 18 because I was looking for a reason to leave. Just give me an excuse. Just give me an excuse to walk away. And see, this is part of the problem we have with the issue of hypocrisy or the accusation of hypocrisy that gets leveled against us. Like, wait a minute. Are we really doing something that awful? Are we really driving you away from Christ? Or are you somebody that's looking for an excuse to be repelled? Because that's a thing too. And you've encountered that. Maybe you've lived through that. You've seen people in your life who are like that who, who maybe have a desire for Jesus, but then they kind of back off of that desire. And if you, just give, if you give them with the tiniest reason to walk away, they will. They're looking for that excuse. You know what I'm talking about? They're looking for that reason to walk away. And so at 18 years old, I got just what I was looking for, enough of a reason, enough of an accusation to level against Christian people that I could walk away. Let me tell you another aspect of the story. What I received growing up in a Christian home, in a Christian church, what I received, the, all the positives so greatly outweigh the tiny bit of negatives. And the people in my home church that made an investment in me, 
and we had some older folks, and I felt like I had several sets of grandparents and people who invested in my life. You know, Kelly, who read scripture today, like she was one of my Sunday school teachers. Did you know that, right? She was very, very young when she taught me Sunday school. I'll let you know. Very, very young, right? And did we say, did we say that prayer together at the end? May the Lord watch between me and thee while we're absent, one from the other. We held hands in a circle. We said that prayer. That was Kelly investing in me, right? And there were so many people in that church environment that made, I got goosebumps just remembering that, <laughs> that made that investment in my life. So many positive experiences. You know, Mr. Hutchinson, some of you, he visits our church regularly. It's Brindy's grandpa. He made an investment in my life. He spent time with me. He shared his story of how he received the gospel, how he received the gospel at four years old. And I thought, is that something that happens? I thought you just grew up this way. But all these people gave me so many positive, wonderful experiences. I met my wife in that church, right? Wonderful experiences there, yes? And yet, I just, I just needed something. I needed something negative that I could latch on to that was enough of an excuse to drive me away. And so here's what we have to deal with as a group of Christians, as a church. We can do our best to embody the gospel and to live out the gospel and to love other people and to share Jesus. And we can do our best to be attractive to other people. But there are going to be some people that are just looking for a reason to walk away. And we're, that's, that's where we just have to let go and say, that's in God's hands. We do what we can do, but it's limited. God has to take care of the rest. Amen? Amen. Part of the problem with the issue or the accusation of hypocrisy, oh, those Christians are so hypocritical. Part of the problem is that it's almost always valid. It's almost always valid. Because maybe, I mean, maybe, maybe I shouldn't use the word hypocrisy, but maybe the fact is that we are all inconsistent because all of us Christians, we are all works in progress. I want to take a look at a passage before we look at what's in our bulletin here. Take a look at a passage from Romans. All right, so this is Paul writing to us, okay? This is Paul. This is the Paul that planted several churches. This is the Paul that shared the gospel with different communities of people in different parts of the world, right? This is Paul who made people aware of what Jesus has done for them, and so they accept Jesus Christ and they become this church. This is Paul. If there was a competition, like world's greatest Christian, right? Paul would probably win. If there was an Olympics for Christianity, I don't know what that would look like, but Paul would probably win. The most prolific, the most you know, advanced, spiritually mature, doing it all. This is Paul, right? The greatest of the greats. This is Paul. And here's what he says in Romans chapter 7. I'm going to start with verse 15. And he's been talking about the law. He's been talking about the Old Testament law. And he's been really making this point that that law really showed us our sinful nature. And that law was like a, a guy that showed us that we're not God, that showed us our sinful nature. And here's what he says, verse 15. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Excuse me? Let me say that again, because that's a lot, all right? Here's what he says. He's talking about, like, I know what things I should be doing, and then I find myself doing the things I know that I shouldn't be doing. Here's what he says. Let me, let me read this again. I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. Again, back to this point, I agree that the law shows me that there's something in me that is not God, that is not good. As it is, it is no longer I 
myself who do it, but the sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have, listen, here it is. For I have the desire to do what is good. You have that too. You have a desire to do what is good. He says, I have this desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Paul, what are you talking about? You are the best of the best. We look to you. We hold you in high regard. But Paul had something in common with all the other saints that came before him and the patriarchs of the Old Testament. Paul was a work in progress, a human being struggling to overcome sin, being transformed but not being complete. I mean, consider the saints, the patriarchs of the Old Testament. They all, I mean, from Moses to Joshua to David to Solomon, these were flawed, flawed people. Let's bring it into this passage that's in your bulletin here today because this is so important. You know, again, part of, this, part of the problem of this accusation of hypocrisy is like, you know, it's, it's valid. We are hypocrites. We can be hypocritical, Right? I'm looking around at this room just thinking now, I'm like, you have, there's people in this room who have seen my hypocrisy in action, right? You've seen me get angry. You've seen me get frustrated. You've seen me struggle with forgiveness because I'm a work in progress, just like the rest of us. We're all works in progress. But then Paul, the same Paul that struggles with this hypocrisy, he gives us this in 2 Corinthians. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. And this is something we speak about a lot as a church, this transforming process that goes on. And Paul also talks about this being reshaped, conformed to the image of Jesus, being remade by Jesus. And, Paul, and Jesus talks about it himself, this idea of dying and then being born again. And so this process is going on. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us. He has committed to us people who aren't finished yet, people who haven't graduated from Christianity yet, people who have not earned our black belt in Christianity yet. He has given to us the ministry of, of reconciliation, the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Let me stop you right there, Paul. Paul, I look at your life, I look at you, what you've accomplished, I look at what you've taught, I look at the fruit of your ministry, and I say, Paul, you can go ahead and be an ambassador of Jesus Christ. Paul, I look at you as someone, you can go ahead and be a representative of Jesus Christ, but not me. I'm not qualified to represent, to be an ambassador of Jesus. Are you kidding me? I'm too much of a work in progress. Don't you feel that same way? Did anybody in this room, any of you who are Christians, did any of you sign up to be a representative, an ambassador of Jesus? Any of you sign up for that? No. You accepted the gospel of salvation. You accepted Jesus as your Savior. You're allowing this transforming work to continue. But if somebody said, hey, we need some uh, ambassadors for Jesus. We need some people to represent Jesus on this earth. Who wants to sign up for that? Who wants that? But what Paul is speaking to here is something that just happens. You receive Christ as Savior. You begin this process of following Jesus. You start showing up to church stuff, and the people in your life are going to look at you, and whether you want this to be true or not, they're going to look at you, and they're going to make a connection between you and what you say and how you live and Jesus. 
They're going to look at you and make a connection between what you're doing, what you're saying, how you're living, and who Jesus is. And whether you want that to be the case or not, it's just, it's just how it is. We are, therefore, Christ's ambassadors. Whether you feel qualified or not, people are going to look at you and make a connection between your life and who Jesus is. As though God were making his appeal through us, and we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And so what do you do? Christians, let me talk to the Christians. What do you do when you find yourself tiptoeing into the realm of hypocrisy? What do you do? You're out with a group of people, having a few drinks, maybe one too many, maybe two too many, <laughs> and then start behaving in a way that's inconsistent with what Jesus commands us to, what Jesus calls us to. What do you do? What do you do, friends? Now, you're out there, and people know that you're a Christian, but you're out there, and, and you start an argument with somebody, and you say something negative about that person, you find yourself gossiping about that person, and all these non-Christians, these non-safe people, see how you're behaving. What do you do in that situation, right? What do you do? Really, what do you do? Ask forgiveness. Here's what we do. We own the fact that we are works in progress. That's what we do. You know, my dad, he, uh, <clears throat> he was a work in progress, all right? <laughs> my dad is a wonderful guy. He was my number one. Apart from being my father, he was also my number one mentor in the faith and all this. But he was a work in progress. And he would tell you as much. And one of the things he struggled with was a temper. He had a temper. And I would describe my dad's temper as being sometimes terrifying and sometimes hilarious, Okay? Sometimes when your dad gets angry, it's just like, that's pretty funny, right? But he had this temper, and he had this temper in the work setting as well. And so people knew in his workplace, he worked in a warehouse, people knew that he was a Christian. People knew that about him. He spoke openly about Jesus. He spoke about his faith, but then he would get angry about something, and it was inconsistent. There was one story. Oh, boy, I've got to tell you this story. There's one story. So my dad's in the warehouse, and this guy keeps, he's running his forklift, and he keeps just barely missing my, he's just zooming around, not paying attention, almost runs over my dad like two, three times. My dad stops him. He says, why don't you hop down off the forklift? He says, oh, okay. And my dad was a big guy, right? Big, bigger than me, big guy. And he says to the guy, do you have your cell phone with you? He says, yeah, I've got my cell phone with you. He says, I want you to pick that cell phone up. I want you to call your wife and tell you that you love her because you're never going to see her again, all right? <laughs> That's what he said, all right? That's one part terrifying and one part kind of hilarious, right? And so people witnessed this, yes? And I had a chance to briefly work with my dad, and I saw that temper in action. He would break things, and he would get angry at stuff. He would get angry at people. And so he had a reputation at work for having a temper. He also had a reputation for owning it. He had a reputation for apologizing. Hey, remember that thing I said about calling your wife? <laughs> sorry about that. That wasn't right. I got angry. I'm sorry. It's like you said, David. Just apologize. Ask for forgiveness. Hey, you know what? I know what I just did. That is, if you think like that's a Christian person shouldn't do that, you're right, right? I know better. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have behaved that way. You are right, but I'm a work in progress. There's freedom in that. We're works in progress, right? What's that old saying? We're looking for progress, not perfection. And so one of the most effective things that you can do to be attractive to other people in your life is not to pretend to be something you're not. You don't have your black belt in Christianity yet. We don't get that until we get to heaven, right? 
You don't have it here. You're still a work in progress. The most powerful, one of the most powerful things you can do to be attractive and draw people into the message of Jesus is own the fact that God's still working on you. You're a work in progress. Own your failures. Own your mistakes. Own your inconsistency. Own your hypocrisy. And that in and of itself is attractive. Live in that way. And if you live in that way, you will draw people into your life. You will draw people into this church. And you will draw people in to the message and ministry of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Please stand as you are able as we join together in our closing prayer. Jesus, we thank you for your patience with us, for your mercy, for your grace, for your understanding. And Jesus, I feel like sometimes as, as believers, we can kind of beat ourselves up a little bit. And Lord, we do have this desire to grow in our faith. We do have a desire to become better. We do have that. But in the meantime, God, as we are these works in progress, we just pray that you would continue to extend that love and grace and patience to us. Father God, we pray that the people who see us in this world who are not believers, that when they see us this fail, when they see us be inconsistent, when they see those signs of hypocrisy in our lives, we pray that you would give us the courage and the strength to be vulnerable and just say, I'm not finished yet. I'm a work in progress. Give us the courage to own the fact that we're still in this process of being transformed by you. Father God, as we bring this worship service to a close, we want to thank you again for giving us an opportunity to worship you here. But now that this time is over, we pray that you would allow our worship of you to continue. Father, let us worship you with our lives. Let us worship you by the way that we love and serve one another, by the way that we love and serve you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.